You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. In the earlier service, I talked about the symbolism and the significance of Jerusalem. And so I'm not going to go through all that, but I want you to get a hold of the recording. So go back home and listen to it. And so Jerusalem has now fallen to the Babylonian captivity. And where the people were concerned, it was as if their political structures came to an end. So so the political structures were shattered their religious structures was shattered as well. Their financial structure of which Jerusalem represented was also shattered. It was a time through this second Babylonic captivity that hope was decimated in the life of the Israelites. I don't know about you, but a couple of weeks ago when your when the Bank of England raised the, the interest to the 5%, I don't know, for the 12th or 13th time, you know, I, I read from my own economic times how it impacted uh, England. A lot of people are like, oh man, and topsy-turvy. It's, it's, it's like what's happening today. And maybe someone here, and maybe there's a group of you here today coming to service and you came with a loss of hope. You came with a loss of confidence in the political structures of, your, of, of the land. You came with, with, with this sense of loss of the financial structures in your land. And it's as if the families were all eroding around you because, you know, the, in the captivities, sons and fathers were taken away. And so everything that is represented in life is right now gone. Ezekiel chapter 37 is a story of restoration. I want you to know. So say, say to the person beside you, restoration. Restoration in the English word means to take something that is broken and to repair it back to its original state. Isn't, it? Isn't, that, isn't that the, the dictionary uh, understanding? I want you to understand that the English dictionary is different from the theological dictionary. God's dictionary is different from humanity. Because in, in humanity, we understand restoration as taking that which is old and bringing back to its original condition. Spiritual, biblical, theological restoration is God taking something old and making it new. Not back to its original, but making it new. Case in point, when Adam sinned, humanity fell into sin and all of us are judged and therefore every one of us will have to pay the punishment of sin and go to hell. Isn't it true? But when Jesus died for rest, God did not just restore us back to its original to have eternal life, but God restores us also back to the abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. I've come that you might have life, which is the eternal life, and life abundantly, which is the abundant life. So, so when God restores, He takes us not to His original, but He makes it better. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
So say to the person beside you, God makes it better. So that, that's the framework. But in order for restoration to happen, there must be an encounter. And I'm so glad this evening we will have a moment for encounter. Because without the encounter, there will be no restoration. Because without the encounter, humanity cannot experience the resuscitation of the Holy Spirit so that hope can germinate once more in our life. Without the encounter, you and I have no chance, no opportunity to be able to walk in revival. In a moment ago, we were singing about revival. In a moment ago, we prayed about dreams to be revived one more time. But it has to take place in the arena of encounter. And so Ezekiel chapter 37 presents this to us. So let's begin with Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. You see, friends, the Spirit of God is very important in our life. And that's why in the earlier service, I talk about partnership with the Holy Spirit. If you and I are going to live a life of the miraculous, experience the supernatural, and begin to do the impossible in the sight of humanity, we need to link up into a partnership with the Holy Spirit. And here we read of this divine partnership with the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God came, linked His arms with Ezekiel and brought Him into a valley of dry bones. It was the Holy Spirit who linked up with Ezekiel to bring Ezekiel into a place of encounter. Because friends, you need to understand, it is always about the encounter. Say to someone, it is always about the encounter. That's my first point. If we're going to experience restoration and hope to be revived, dreams to come back, miracles to be activated in our life, it is always about the encounter. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God wants to meet us. It is, it is whether we are desperate, it is whether we are ready, it is whether we want to begin to meet with God. That's the starting point. For an, for an encounter to take place, the starting point has to do with us. The desperateness of hearts. You see, friends, our desperation should not lead us to despair, but our desperation should lead us to link arms with the Spirit of God. That's a very important key. If you are going to see restoration come back into your life and hope beating strongly, then the crisis and the desperation of our soul must never lead us to the place of despair. But it must turn us towards God. And I know I'm speaking to someone here because I sense prophetically you are at the edge and you have given God an ultimatum. You actually said to God, God, if you don't turn up, if you don't speak to me today, this is it. I want you to know, you need to start turning towards God. It's not about God turning towards you because God's eyes, the Bible tells me in Isaiah, the Bible tells me in many passages, the eyes of God are upon His people. 
God never takes His eyes off you. Can someone say amen? Aren't you glad out of the billions of people that live in this, in this planet, God's eyes is upon you. Amen? He's watching you. It's about the encounter. It's about the encounter because God wants to meet you. There must be the built-up of an atmosphere that will determine the encounter. That de- the sense of desperation in the nation of Israel that was decimated by Babylon and where Ezekiel was concerned as a prophet, he didn't allow the atmosphere of the loss of hope to stop him from walking in passion. Do you understand? He continued to preach and that was, that was where, because he continued to create atmosphere, God then brought him into encounter. So a lot of it is dependent on you today. Don't let the loss of hope, don't let the loss of structures around you lead you to create an atmosphere that turns you away from God. But you need to generate an atmosphere on the inside of you that will say, no matter what, despite what, I am still walking with the Lord. Can someone say amen? The atmosphere determines the encounter. I like the fact that it was the valley of dry bones. And the Bible actually describes this valley as extremely dry. Let's open our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're just going to read a a, a few verses here. The hand of the Lord was upon me, brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. You notice the Bible is very specific. The Bible didn't just say it was dry. It says very dry. And when the last time I checked the dictionary, very dry is a description that is drier than dry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when the Bible talks about it being very dry, it is really an illustration, a description that the bones were so dry that the moment you touch it, it will be so brittle that it turns into powder. Do you understand what it means? That's what it, that's what it means. It means that there, there cannot be any sign of life. There cannot be even an iota of life that can come into to germinate life. There's no way because it was very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can this bone live? And I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord to say to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendon to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendon and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, O son of man, and say to this, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, 
O breath, and breathe into this slain that they may live. And so I prophesy as he commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Father, bless the reading of your word. It is about the encounter that brings restoration. You see, friends, every encounter reveals something. And I believe this morning, God wants to meet you. You may be feeling like the political structures around you is eroding. You may feel like hope has been decimated, taken away from you. You may feel that you have to jettison some part of life just to survive. But I want to say that today, God wants to meet you because every encounter reveals three things. Number one, it reveals the condition of what really matters. You see, friends, sometimes, sometimes God has to strip us to the place where we feel we have nothing so that that which really matters becomes the core. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes God has to take us to that place. Why? Because success can sometimes become a curse. Sometimes great success takes us away from God. God had to. God have to. God has no choice. You know why? It's not that God wants to punish you. It's not that God is egoistic that He just wants. No, no. God is not satisfied with you just experiencing that measure of success because there is something greater that God has installed for you. And until you are stripped from everything, then God can take you into that something greater. Because God does not want us to just be happy. I mean, take for instance, if I was Pastor Martin, in that sense, I can be happy with a congregation size of this. Yeah. I can be happy. But you know what? God's going to strip it all down. Because if we are just plainly happy to twiddle our thumb and to pat him on his back and say, well done, Pastor Martin. Well done, Pastor Esther. You know, we've got a great church. You know, every seat's taken and, and it's fine. I want you to know, God's not done with CLM. God has something greater for CLM. God wants to see every member of your family come to know Christ. God wants to see every friend of yours come to know Christ. God wants to train you and send you into the world to touch a dying world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God's not, God's not done. God's not done. So every encounter reveals the condition of what really matters. Every encounter reveals the desperateness of our hearts. Because in this encounter, you could see that Ezekiel was desperate for life to come. Because when God says, can life come from it? He said, oh Lord, sovereign Lord, you know. I mean, it's like, even if I want something to happen, I'm the, I don't know how to make it happen. He was at our last. You see, every encounter has to take humanity to the place where we realize that it is not us. There is no human ability nor achievement that can bring forth the life of God. Only God can breathe life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God needs us to come to that place of total surrender. Every encounter finally reveals that grace that is ready and enough. When the Lord asked Ezekiel, 
can these bones live? It is to bring Ezekiel in this encounter to that place where he realized only by His grace. I stand here as a representation of the personification of grace where I'm concerned. Yeah. I drop out from secondary school. I mean, I only have one GC, what do you guys say? GCSE. Yeah. We call it GCE. Yeah. I have only one General Cambridge examination credit. One. 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 And that one credit was just on a passing. Yeah. It wasn't English. I murdered the Queen's English. <laughs> it was history. <laughs> Yeah, the only subject I passed was history. I, I, I studied nine subjects and all eight were probably about 20, 20 plus percent. History was just 50 plus. I just made it. I went to Bible school. I dropped out from Bible school. Yeah, literally dropped out from Bible school. Then I joined the staff of Trinity Christian Centre. And at that time, there were about 20 of them. And all of them has BA, MA, and PhD. I have one GCEO level credit. Then I understood grace. In the encounter, I realized I have grace. So I went to the pastoral staff and I said to them, I said to one of them, do you know I have a BA? And they looked at me, you know, you don't have a BA. I said, yeah, I've got a BA. It's born again. I went to the other person who, you know, who, who has a master's in accounts. And I said to I, I have an MA too. And she said, no, you don't. I said, I do. It's called merit already. <laughs> Mark, you got an MA too. And then I went to our professor in the theology who has a PhD from Cambridge University. And I said to, I said to Dr. Milling, hey doc, I've got a PhD. She looked at me and said, no, you don't. I said, yeah, because I praise him daily. <laughs> Grace. Grace. Every encounter reveals the grace of God that can, that can, I notice, I use the word, that can be at work in your life. God wants to work that grace in your life, but you have to come to that place of total surrender. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So as, as long as you walk with this chip that, hey, I did well in my side, I have this, then God cannot release that grace to transform you. Do you understand what I'm saying? We all want restoration, isn't it? How many of you wants to see some, some revival, a restoration, something take place in your life? Yeah, we all want that. But listen, you've got to encounter God and in that encounter, allow grace to come. And therefore, you have, to, you have to come to the place where you strip before the Lord in the spiritual sense and say, Lord, everything is taken and it's just you and me and I just want you to know Lauren I have nothing it was then that God started doing a work in my life yeah when I joined the pastoral team I wasn't you know up on the ladder I was just yeah I was just doing every other thing 
And then the Lord began to put grace. Because I, I keep having an encounter with God. It was as if the hand of the Lord took me by the Spirit. And every time He put me into the valley of dry bones. And every time as I look at the dry bones, it was a reflection of my life that it was just dry. I don't have anything. And then in that encounter, God says, Son, that's going to be life. Do you understand what I'm saying? That was why it's, it's kind of incredulous for me ultimately to lead Trinity Christian Centre with everyone that has a massive degree. Yeah. And then I figured out they have degree but I have temperature. It's called passion. <laughs> every encounter, see, number one, it's always about the encounter but number two, every encounter reviews something. But the third thing about the encounter is this, in every encounter, God asks a question. I once preached about the question of eternity, starting from uh, Genesis. But I learned very soon as I began to do a comparative study of the questions of God. Because the questions of God are what I call the questions of eternity. And God's question to Ezekiel, as we have read in verse 3, is, Can these bones live? I mean, if I was Ezekiel, I'd turn to God and say, Lo, what kind of question is that? You are God means you know all things. Why you ask me, isn't it? Just like he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? Dumb question, Lord. Yeah, to me, it's a stupid question. Till God slapped me on the head and said, Psh, you stupid boy. You see, when God asks the question, God helps us to know where we are. See, when God asks the question, can this bone slave? Actually, it's not just a straightforward question. It is actually a question that takes us to the place to come to the realization of where we are. Just as God asked Adam, Adam, where are you? It's, I mean, it's not as if God doesn't, doesn't know where Adam was, isn't it? But then why did God still ask that question? to shake humanity to come back to the place of realizing where they are. And so when God asks Ezekiel, can this bone slave? It is not, it's not just a question about the revival or the restoration, but it's really to help Ezekiel understand, you know, that's why he answered, oh sovereign Lord, you know. Only you know. God takes us to the place where we are. It is the acknowledgement at that place where we are. It is therefore the acknowledgement that we know nothing. We don't have anything. And I want to say this acknowledgement is the key to restoration. Acknowledgement is the key to alignment. And finally, acknowledgement is the catalyst. Is the catalyst to a miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants to meet us today. And in a meeting, God will show you the condition of your life. And yet at the same time, in the encounter with God, He will ask you a question because God wants you to know where you are so that you can begin to acknowledge Him. 
And when you acknowledge Him, you align. When you acknowledge Him, you begin to see Him pushing you into the miracle. And when we acknowledge Him, that's where we see that divine exchange. That which is dead comes to life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The questions of God help us to know where we are. The questions of God takes us from where we are to where God wants us to be. It, you see, that, that question, can this bones live, then set up a momentum for the prophetic declaration so that God can take Ezekiel from a place of helplessness in the valley of dry bones to the place of seeing and vast army coming into life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hope can come alive. Dreams can come alive. Broken relationship can be mended. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Broken health can be fully healed. Amen. The fourth thing about encounter, as I look at this passage, in verse 3, when Ezekiel says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know, there was a confession. In every encounter, it sets us into the place of restoration. In every encounter, God brings us to the place so that He reveals the condition of our hearts. In every encounter, God asks a question so that God can help humanity know where we are so that He can take us to where He wants us to be. But finally, in every encounter, God requires a confession. God requires a confession. Confession is so important. Confession is your possession. I want to say that your confession brings you into your possession. I'm not talking about the positive confession where, you know, you go lay hands on a Maserati and say, uh, I want, a, you know, Maserati is my Maserati. Yeah, I've been doing that. I still haven't had a Maserati. <laughs> it's ridiculous. A Maserati in Singapore would, would cost me 300,000 pounds. Yeah, in Singapore. Ouch. <laughs> And I've been confessing for a Maserati. <laughs> it hasn't happened. And I'm not talking about those type of confession. But when I talk about con your confession brings you into possession, I want you to see the spiritual principle in Romans. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Christ is Lord, then what does he say? Complete the, the, the verse. When you confess with your mouth Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, what else? You will be saved. That's right. Salvation is your possession. Confession is the road. If you don't confess, you cannot have salvation. So confession is important. That which you speak forth because confession brings you into possession. Confession actually builds your faith. 
Faith comes by and hearing the Word of God. So when you confess the Word of God, you hear the Word of God. And when you hear the Word of God, then faith is birth. Hello? Turn to the person beside you and tell them, confession is your possession. Turn to the other person and say, confession builds your faith. So we've got to confess positively. We've got to confess in the Lord. I don't care what the situation in your life is right this moment. But if you keep confessing, I've got cancer, I've got... Uh, yes, cancer will kill you because that becomes your possession. If you keep confessing, I don't have money, Pastor Martin, I can't give to the church. And that's your confession. Yes, you will be stripped and be broken. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not asking you to deny the realities of life, but I'm asking you to confess in the truth of who God is. I'm asking you to confess in the awesome power of God for your life. So, it, so that becomes rather important as far as I'm concerned. Because Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. There is a fruit that comes from the confession of our lips. And very often, we are eating the wrong kind of fruits. That's why we are eating bitter fruits, sour fruits. Whereas we could have sweet and productive fruits. So I do not know what's happening in your life right this moment. But I believe in a moment's time, we're going to come before God. And we're going to raise a hallelujah to the Lord. Even though you may be in pain, we're going to raise a hallelujah to the Lord. Even though the creditors are after you, we're going to raise a hallelujah despite the situation. You know why? Because we want to get an encounter with God that will reveal the condition of our hearts so that we can hear the questions of God so that we have the privilege of confessing God into every aspect of our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Matthew 12 verse 37. This is a word from Christ. For by your word, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. So there's a power of your confession. Ezekiel confessed when he says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you know. He went on later to confess through prophesying that he prophesied wind to come. He prophesied breath to come. That's a confession. That's why, that, that was why the Lord told him, say this. Say this. See, confession is the declaration of our mouth. So in a moment's time, we're going to come to the altar and I'm going to ask you to prophesy, to confess the might of God into the arena of life. And I want to believe that the next time I come back, you are going to walk differently because you're going to walk tall in the Lord. 
You are, you're going to believe differently because now you have a strong conviction in God. And I want to come back the next time and you and your household link arms together rejoicing because you and your household have been saved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen? Are you ready? Are you ready to encounter God? And then I want to invite you to come back this evening, join. I'm not going to be preaching. I just want to also encounter Him. Because I want God to put me right. I want God to, I want to encounter God so that He can center my life. And ask me the question so that I will know where I am so that I can allow Him to take me to where He wants me to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then I want a privilege to prophesy into my future. I want a privilege of confessing into my possession. I want a privilege to confess so that faith continues to be built. Amen? Amen? I believe the Holy Spirit is here right now. I believe the Spirit of God wants to link up with you, take you to the valley of dry bones so that you face the dry bones situation of your life so that you will not be intimidated so that in an encounter with Him in that valley, you can begin to prophesy. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's all stand as AJ and the team comes. Some of you are at situations that are extremely desperate. Extremely desperate. I've been there. I've been down that road. I've been at that place when the doctor tells me, you've got colon cancer. I've been at that place. I was just at that place three weeks ago when uh, I saw my medical doctor and he said to me, uh, Dominic, please go to the hospital tomorrow and speak to the surgeon and arrange for your surgery. I mean, I was, I was like, I, I'm fine. And then only to say to him three weeks ago, My wife and I were stunned because the surgery was the next day. Yeah. That's how immediate it was. Yeah. Three weeks later, I'm here. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm all well, isn't it? Moment of encounter. Because in the moment of encounter, God restores. How many of you need God to restore something in your life? Those of you that raise your hands to say, I need God to restore something in my life, come forward right now. Come forward right now. Like I said, there is a group of you that said to the Lord, Lord, I need you to speak. God has spoken. Now you need to respond. Come as close as you can. Those of you up in altars, come as close as you can so that we make room. I'm going to ask Pastor Martin, Pastor Esther, to come you need God to restore something I sense a couple of you there is a restoration of ministry somehow something has happened you have stepped out of ministry um, you've been floundering meandering around and you wonder whether you can be restored I want, to, I want to say this God will restore you back into ministry God will restore you back to full time you just need to meet Him right now some of you, you need restoration in your body, physically, physical body. Some of you, you need restoration in your relationship. Listen, it can happen. It all, it all counts on the encounter. 
It all depends on this encounter. Let, this, let your desperation now lead you to Jesus. Let your desperation cause you to link up with the Holy Spirit. Right now, lift your hands to heaven. We're going to worship Him. And when you worship Him, listen very carefully. God's going to ask you a question. God will ask you, where are you? God will ask you, can these bones live? God is going to ask you that question. And then you respond to God with the truest heart, purest moment of your heart. And let Him cause you to come into confession so that you will have your possession of miracles, signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.